Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there and welcome to The Gong Show. My name's Steph Bostuma. I'll be joined by Andy Burns and Simon Evans to talk all things food and hospitality in the Illawarra. We'll bring in local chefs, business owners and producers as guests and we'll bring in things for show and tell to talk about our favourite products or equipment and we'll also cover some current affairs and what's happening in the world of food. This week we talk about all things foraged and wild food in the Illawarra. We went on a nice little foraging mission the day before the podcast and got lots of ingredients that we bring in for show and tell. We've got Tom Kiamento, chef and co-owner of Cavo on board to talk us through all these different ingredients and we've got a bonus segment at the end where Simon Evans cooks us up a lovely pine mushroom broth with wild ingredients. Hope you enjoy the show. Let's do this. Welcome to The Gong Show, episode number five. Stefan Postuma here with Simon Evans. Hello. Tom Kimento. Hello. And Andy Burns. Hey. Uh, to start off, we'd like to acknowledge the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land of the Illawarra, and acknowledge the elders past and present. Yalunga, everyone. All right. Thanks for joining us. Let's kick things off. First... Uh, on behalf of the two men next to me, I want to say happy birthday to Andy Burns happy and Jen, birthday. who are uh, one day apart from each other, who mm. turned 46, yeah, 46. Uh, the other day. Yeah. yeah. It's economic. For 46. Jen, yeah, Jen does days. look good for 46. <laughs> <laughs> how, was it, how was it, mate? Yeah, good. Happy large. Birthday. Yeah. yeah, large. Large All right. from Sydney. Fantastic. Well, let's go straight into uh, let's go straight into recent dining experiences because I know that you and Jen went out for a nice lunch. Six pennies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't spent much time in Stanmore. Yeah. It's a it's super quiet. Hey, like yeah, right. Um, there was yeah, like no one on the street or anything. I mean, it was like Sunday. There's only a couple of cafes where I like where we were was like just in the train station and Six Pennies just up the road. Um, but yeah, Six Penny was. Great. It was a little bit smaller than what I thought. Um, the got portion like size or the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> the dining room um, seats probably, I don't know, 25 maybe? Yeah. And, but that, then they've got like a, a, little, a little eight, um, a room of like another eight. I, I think it must be about 35 total around about that from wow. what I could pick up. Um, but yeah, it, it's really simple but really, really pretty. Um, and the food was fucking great. Yep. Yeah, yeah, really good. Like, there's there's a lot of um. How many courses? Uh, well, there's like seven three, or three, ten. Three, three snacks and then 
maybe another seven things. Yep. Yeah. Seven or eight. Um, yeah, three desserts. Yeah, maybe another eight things. But um, like just all really tasty, but a lot of technique as well. Like yeah. a lot of kind of, I guess, fr- pr- French technique. Like, but um, like what? All, what's an example? Oh, like the all the desserts were like really precise and like almond sablé and <laughs> just just those little things that you kind of learnt once. Yeah. Okay. Like. Mm-hmm. But just done really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I, I really liked. <coughs> I really liked that being incorporated like into it because it I don't know, it holds on to what, what we learnt coming up as chefs, but it shows that, you know, it's not dead. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and it can still be done in a very modern setting. Yeah. With, with modern ingredients delicious. and Yeah, yeah. Um But yeah, I had a great lunch. Great lunch. Like, yeah, the, and the servers yeah. were great. Like, I mean, David had called them before we got there, so they were, like, pouring us out champagne on arrival. They nice. knew we, like, were in the biz, so... Cool. Yeah, mm. they, were, they were all lovely. Like, we had Sunday some, lunch yeah. as well was perfect, Fosco. Yeah. So yeah. the hardest thing to find is restaurants. Yeah. Good restaurants <laughs> in Sydney oh, or anywhere open yeah. on Sunday. Especially yeah. in Sydney. Sydney's, like, yeah. ghost town on a Sunday. You're crazy, yeah. hey. And oh. Monday nights as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. we did, um... Yeah, so when you, when you said you got on Sunday, I was like... Yeah. Yeah, we did pairing... Which, yeah, pairing, yeah. Which I probably... I don't usually go for a pairing. Um, but, like, we enjoyed it. But, like, I did it because I knew it would make me drink sort of one that I wouldn't choose. Yeah. Um, which is always good. But it's a bit too much for me. Like, like on, on the stomach, like, all yeah. that food and then all the different wine. Like, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's good to just have maybe, like, two wines through mm-hmm. through a mm-hmm. lunch like that, I think, or a dinner like that. Especially is there natural... What's their natural selection like? Um, yeah, like, they've got a bit, but yeah. I didn't know much about yeah. what they had because yeah. oh, a lot good. of it's, like... They've got a massive list. It's, like, the list pretty international from yeah. Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, good, though. Like, that, and we had some... We had a couple of really nice wines. We had, um, yeah, some French stuff. One even South African. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, their, their list yeah. is is probably one of the most like international mm. of that kind of restaurant. Um, but it would be moment. what I what I kind of really, I mean, ideally in my head, that's that's the sort of restaurant I, I'd love to end up owning. Is something where you don't have to focus on trying to just like do eighty if you need to. You oh. can you can do what you do and do it mm. really well yeah. and, and focus on like. <laughs> 40 guests or whatever yeah. I mean yeah I, like that's everyone's that, dream that, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's too bad just <laughs> yeah, fill a, downstairs every, yeah. every just night just do 25 every night it's a bit beautiful yeah that, <laughs> oh, be, happy, be happy absolutely enough beautiful yeah. it's a bit, bit harder down here than it is in, do you think it, do you think yeah. that it's a possibility in the Illawarra to do something like that like do you think you're going to have enough like you're going to be booked out well, far enough yeah, in advance what are people to be able be to saying oh like yeah, yeah. Oh, in 10 years you wait you wait yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I mean, it's, a, it's, it's getting the weekday dining it's people it's not that many people in a, well Thursday would be the hard one to try and get 35 customers in because everyone goes to Wheat Street um, mm. which is a bit of a problem for restaurants but it's pretty sick down there but yeah getting people out during the week to eat more that, that's the only problem yeah, like, that's you easily do, well, do more than those numbers on a, on a Friday Saturday because everyone wants to eat on that Friday Saturday yeah. so that's when you make make your money the rest of the week then you, you can be so up and down you can be completely dead or you can be quite busy on a random night and, it's, mm. and it makes it it makes it so hard on the kitchen and the restaurant itself it makes it hard on the your front mm. of house staff to have consistency in their casual shifts to make them better at what they're doing yeah exactly yeah. you know and yeah. it makes it hard for you whether whether it be the ordering of stock like so many yeah. reasons like if I mean yeah, it's, it's fuck a, every it's restaurant a, would love to say oh you're oh, full every night like, yeah yeah, yeah. That's, it just, but course. it really does make it easier to be busier mm. nice well 
but yeah, Mate, six sounds like, oh, yeah, I want to get there. I need to get big, there. Yeah, big thanks to the staff there and like and the chefs and everything that met met the guys. They're all fucking lovely and they're doing a great job. Nice. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's go into just like a couple of um, new openings slash changes and uh, closures and things around the Illawarra. Um, Emma and Yon from Sandy Goodwich have sort of reshuffled their offering from their space up there and it's called Miller's Local Bakehouse and they are doing wholesale pastries, which is something I know Emma loves doing and is really, really good at. And... Yeah, so, I mean, if you own a restaurant and you need some good pastries or, mm. or a cafe, hit up Miller's. And then they've got also, uh, like, another business is in there now just slinging coffees out of the front, and it's called Goodies Coffee. There's a couple of guys running that as well. That's coffees, and then it's all Emma's Pastries. And then Emma's Pastry, yeah. yeah. So Emma's Pastry is on, like, for sale out of the front. Yeah. But no, and then no sandwiches. And did, did Emma say they're doing some wholesaling to places not in Wollongong? I think she said that yeah, on, on the podcast we did with them. Yeah, yeah. Like Maybe. pretty far. Yeah, yeah, it was quite a scope. But anyway, if you're if you're up that way and yeah. you want something, they're not limited to just just yeah. a gong, and it's pretty unique stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade from Colco Sourdough shut down his operation last week, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was the first person in the Illawarra doing quality sourdough and stuff. Mm. And just want to give a shout out to Wade for doing a good job and for putting in putting in the hard yards over the years and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, sad to lose a sad to lose a good producer, but uh, these things happen. And then Simon, you wanted to talk about a place down in Kiama. Yeah, so a couple of friends of mine, a couple of guys, used to work at Harbourfront, um, and various other places opened a, a little restaurant uh, on Manning Street in Kiama called Silica. Yeah. Um, so I went down there um, Easter Saturday, I think, um, just from dinner and. Not quite know. I didn't quite know what they were doing down there. I know they set it up and kind of uh, opened up pretty quickly, um, but just just some really good food. Yeah, okay. super, super good value, um, and it's just really relaxed and what sort of, style? Um, almost. Um, we well, can't really describe the style of it. it it's kind of, it's just kind of good food. I had like, Is it like you know, it's casual, casual yeah, setting. Yeah, super casual, but like you can just see there's really good technique. I had like lamb rump. Um, with a little plum puree and had yeah um, some really good like just pasta with um, with some pesto and, and it's like super simple um, it's modern Australian but it's yeah. such a catch all term yeah know, yeah isn't yeah it? Um, but yeah just just really really well cooked stuff just um, there were, there's, there's some pretty talented chefs in that kitchen yeah let's not forget let's not forget Mick Edwards in the kitchen well, ex- exactly softest hands exactly, in, uh, yeah. in the hospitality industry <laughs> might be thick fingers but uh, they are soft hands thick fingers soft hands <laughs> shout out to Mick um, yeah so, so there's some good chefs in there and they, they, obviously they, they know what they're doing and they're just putting out some some tasty simple food and it's like super good value like we just sort of smashed that's out that's really good to see because like even in researching for the Illawarra cookbook looking for like you know proper dining and stuff in, in Kayama. I mean, you've got cafes and you've got like a nice little Vietnamese spot mm. there and stuff, but nice restaurant-wise, like it's pretty few and far between as you get to Kayama and Jerengong. Like you go to yeah. Blue Swimmer one, yeah. or like, yeah. or, or a couple of, there's a couple of spots, but um, yeah, so it's nice to see. And, and, and I think that's the sort of thing that, I don't know, gives, it gives a place like that a bit of energy. Like it's a very seasonal place. They'll be yeah. pumping in the summer, but like, you know when people know that there is a nice restaurant to mm. go to it yeah, kind yeah. Of attract think, a different uh, they're doing like, like Wednesday night like pasta and, dessert and a glass of wine for like 35 bucks or something as well, well so like they're doing some like really good just simple 
well-priced food out there like I'd, I'd be very happy to travel down there again on, on a Sunday and, and have lunch yeah, and go there, there. like yeah. yeah it's a beautiful spot as well like two-story building looks right across the water um, looked, looked amazing when it was lit up at night nice. um, so yeah definitely worth the travel down or if you're in Kama alright cool that's the intros we're gonna move straight on to uh, real talk so we're kind of combining real talk and show and tell this week and this whole show is going to be about foraged food of the Illawarra wild food of the Illawarra um, we're sitting here in Cavo restaurant with a table full of native native or wild ingredients weeds flowers berries all sorts of things that we picked yesterday and uh, yeah we're basically just going to go through and talk about each one of these but at the start we're just going to talk about foraging and wild food in general so I'm going to ask you guys questions about it because you've been in it for longer than should we, you know, um, I don't know about should we introduce Tom yeah he hasn't said anything just, yet I, we didn't this, see this is exactly why I don't like to talk with these two because they just dominate the conversation <laughs> The whole way. We, we didn't say where he's from. Yeah. I think maybe people should know. But, uh, Tom. Tom is the co-owner. Silent, silent partner. <laughs> the co-owner yeah, and once. head chef for of Cavo. Tom Kimento, everyone. Chef extraordinaire. Forager extraordinaire. Mm. That's Basket, why we've got basketball him. Player basketball player extraordinaire. Basketball player extraordinaire. And Tom's <laughs> the guy that's really into um, his foraging and he's the one that owns the books. <laughs> if, if that's a good signifier. No, you've, been, um, you've been going at it for a few years now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. You I've enjoy been it? Doing, I think uh, like when I first started, probably knew absolutely nothing at all. Um, but now, like a few years later, obviously learn a lot. And it's always that thing of you go every time I go out, I still see something. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then you bring it back and you learn about it. And then you end up finding out it has some ridiculous name that you yeah. probably <laughs> probably wish it was a little bit different to that name. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, for yeah. sure. So, do you remember when you first came across like the whole idea of foraging? Where you like? To be honest, it probably probably like a multiple of things. So, like one, um, when I was a kid, like young kid, I was always outdoors, like exploring. If I was at my nan's house, I was always looking for frogs. If I was at my auntie's house, I was always in the creek playing, and it's just kind of, I guess, who I am, like yeah. more of an outdoors person. Um, and then also. Um, from a, I guess a bit of a funny aspect uh, obviously owning a restaurant you kind of you want to save as much money as you can so <laughs> <laughs> it's free yeah <laughs> yeah you know you still cost you in time but um, but it's also rewarding to, to get these ingredients and you know especially in Australia where some of these ingredients we have no recipes for or ideas yeah. what to do with them you kind of you know, you're left up to your imagination is what you yeah. can do. So, and you've just got to fit, like, whether yeah. it be dehydrate yeah. or, like, yeah. you know, we mm. make vinegars. Like, there's all sorts of stuff you can do, but you like some of it's pretty hard to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. To we'll get into that. What are um, we going to do? With let this? me put the same question to you guys. Do you guys remember when you first came across foraging, like the idea Ooh. of it, and first did it? It's, it's been like pretty trendy among chefs for for a while, for a while yeah, now. almost yeah. a decade. And like in the UK, it was it was pretty, it was sort of burgeoning before I moved out here. Um, and then obviously with Noma and Rizepi kind of really put it Falcon to the, put it, as well. yeah, yeah mm. Brussels like that really put it to the forefront so it's one of those things where um, it can be a little bit wanky and a little bit trendy but there is and I, I definitely thought it was that um, 
five six years ago I, I wouldn't have seen dead foraging because mm. it was just a very much training thing and people weren't using these ingredients uh, well I think I think they were just picking something and chucking it getting on the plate. it for the sake of it yeah and then um, I, I would briefly with David Everett Matthias from um, uh, Chamonix Sauvage in, in UK and he, he kind of he started doing it in like the late 80s when um he, he wasn't making much money and sort of got into things because they were they were cheap and they were, they were free um, so he, he really was one of the first people to start doing it and, and working with him briefly and seeing the way he actually uses his ingredients in interesting ways that that was quite inspiring to actually be like oh it's not and he's like a you know, 40 year old bloke who just doesn't really take any shit so mm. like seeing seeing someone who's not like a little prancy hipster doing it was, was a bit more like like oh that's actually that's actually interesting now yeah, I think, like, it might sound a little bit wanky, but I think that, like, I don't know. The, like, the way that the way that sort of food's gone, a lot of places now are really trying to connect with the environment that yeah. surrounds mm. surrounds mm. their restaurant. And, and there's no better way to do it than to go to your local beach or to your local rainforest, which we're lucky enough to have both of in That's, Wollongong, yeah. and, and, and find ingredients there that sort of speak about this region. Australia's mm. a pretty good place for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, same as, like, probably Farvican, Noma. Yeah, I just used to hear about it, and then when we opened at the restaurant, like, I was working, like, six monster days, so I never bothered. I used yeah. to buy a few oh. things of these ingredients, and that was, I never really yeah. wanted to spend my time doing it because I knew I'd have to learn about it first, and it was going to take time. But mm-hmm. since we've been shut for two days, I now get out there and frolic around in my Bunnings hat and my gumboots nice, no, yeah. no well it is when you've got time like it's just a fucking yeah. walk in the, yeah. in the nice, bush yeah. and like I like going by myself because I could spend a bit of time by myself and just yeah. like yeah. it's funny hey, like, listening yeah, to the gong show it is, it's nice like, or in <laughs> so the morning nice like, the if you go, like I'll go in the morning and go like to like three different places and you like people see you like in the bushes when I was down there so this guy was fishing and I'm like down there like tasting a couple of things. Yeah. Like, and he's, I'm by myself eating off the ground and he just looks and just, like, <laughs> yeah. shakes his head and keeps, what's this fucking weirdo doing? <laughs> we got, I think we got a few funny looks yesterday uh, as well. People were like, yeah. why are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah, just like, what are you doing? You Actually, pick, the other picking guys, stuff by the cinema. Um, like some of the chefs that I've spoken to as well, like one guy came to work for us uh, for a little while from Biota. And I mean, they... Like James and those guys have been mm. right into it for like that's what his whole restaurant yeah. is you know Aussie Aussie cuisine and um but I think we're like we, you touched on we're in a unique position like where we live and we can get into it a bit more but mm. like it's a great area for it and it's, it's like like you said Tom get it, you're outside it's yeah. nice like you buy the beach for some yeah. of it like it's yeah, dude so, it was the nicest lovely. day on the beach yesterday yeah. like yeah. Yeah. we were out there and god yeah. Yeah. it was so beautiful it was like such a nice way to spend the day I was like mm. yeah um and yeah just on the whole Bunnings hat thing um Tom Tom the most experienced forager out of all of us made sure he put in on his good foraging thongs yesterday yeah, and like yeah. trekking through the bush up Mount Kira getting stung and bloody scratched by That's everything so good yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we can get into uh, um, so typical Aussie style mm. let's talk a little bit about identifying things like how did you Tom I'll ask you how did you go how did you go about first learning how to identify what well, was what because that's the, the hard first, part one of the first things we ever did we went to um, Diego uh, what's Bonet, the Bonetto Diego Bonetto does these foraging courses and so we went and did one of those and we literally walked like uh 400 meters and that 400 meters probably saw half of these ingredients yeah um and i guess 
when some when you I don't know I'm a very visual learner so I've got to kind of see it and um, and kind of be able to associate it with something to, to kind of remember and so when he took us through that and we were like oh this is this this okay cool we're pretty much halfway halfway to kind of understand the process in which how to learn about these things and and identifying um, something is kind of you know you take it and you kind of pick the parts about it that um, uh, I guess easily identify and then uh, Google yeah. basically yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm and you've got a couple yeah. of books as well. Yeah, heaps of yeah, heaps of books. books and heaps of books that are starting to pop up now that kind of yeah. help help but identify things. I think the, the good thing is, and same with, with mushrooms, especially, which is is really important to have a positive identification on. Is mm. um, the good things don't? There's nothing else that really looks like them. Like yep. all this stuff here, they're pretty individual things, and and once you know what they look like, whether that's doing doing a course yeah. with someone or whether you've sort of, sort of seen it on. On a website or in a book, that after you've seen them once, they're quite easy right, to, know, to ident- recognize. Identify the flower. Yeah, yeah. The, well the, 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 there is a lot of things that look similar. Like you might see a leaf that looks the same as that leaf, and same as that leaf, and but those aren't the ones you, you want a lot of the time. Yeah. Um. So it, it's quite lucky like that. Same, same with mushrooms, especially. Like nothing else looks like a pine mushroom. Nothing else looks like a slippery jack. Yeah. And those are the two you're looking for. So and anything that looks like anything else don't touch it yeah basically that's a good like, rule for anything th- that, is if in doubt leave it out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah massively. especially with mushrooms yeah yeah, yeah. and then if you can't positively identify something so we're running through my second my next point which is I've, safety and warnings nice. yeah. Se- I've definitely uh, I've definitely had my fair share of tasting things and oh yeah and not thoroughly enjoyed it and spat yeah. it back out pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Stay away time. from the berries that you probably can't identify yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, we did that yesterday. There were some pretty delicious berries yesterday. They were pretty yeah. delicious. We had no idea what they were, so yeah. they stayed there. No, they were, they, they were off um, but, they were uh, off the Bidu Bush. Bidu Bush, the uh, bloody lantana. Yeah. Huh. That yeah. was it? Well, it's a different type of lantana, though. Yeah. It's different. It's too... Well, yeah. That's anyway, funny. I think we're just going quickly back to identification, and I think we're probably all the same. Yeah. If you get shown by someone, that's yeah. the best way to that's yeah. the best way to learn, obviously, yeah, and 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 that's the way I I learn about things as well, like mushrooms and whatever. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening and you're interested in getting involved in foraging and using some of these ingredients that we'll talk about in a sec in your kitchen at home, um, there are there are things available to help you. So there are workshops. So Diego does workshops and he's called the Weedy One yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, like, and so it's it really worth it if you actually oh. like. It's such a nice thing to do. It was like, yeah. like, like twenty five bucks and yeah. took us out for a couple of hours. He picked everything. We could all yeah. take pictures of it. He provided us with a little booklet afterwards. Yeah, um, spoke about you know the Instagram is like, really good. Like I follow a whole range of foragers on Instagram. Yep. Yeah, and they're always putting photos up of things that they found and. It helps you because you kind of go, all oh, right. So that's exactly what that looks like. Yep. Now yeah. I know. Yeah. And then and you can find it, it, and then you can taste it. Yeah. And then if you do find it, then taste it. Yeah. And and, and see like, you, you know, you can you can pretty pretty quickly tell if something's inedible. Yeah. Like it's just a ridiculously bitter or like yeah. like poisonous <laughs> sort T- of taste. Poison. Yeah. But if it's you know if it's got like salinity or if it's a little bit sweet or whatever it might be like you know. I think one of the interesting things about Australian foraging as well is like especially natives um, native ingredients are a reflection of our environment and if you think about the Australian environment it's really hot there's not much water um, so particularly things like fruits um, if you ever want like a really sweet. Stra- oh, sweet strawberry right it needs heaps of water to be sweet mm. and so Australian native fruits aren't sweet they're really bitter green acid you know um, and so 
eating those kind of like I remember the first time I ever ate an Illawarra plum I was like this uh, you know before I ate it I was like this could be yeah this could be the coolest ingredient ever not only is it named after our region but it's also a native it grows everywhere around us this is great and then ate it and was yeah pretty disappointed because it just didn't taste nice Mm. but I guess one of the the challenges to chefs these days is to to get these ingredients and turn, turn them into things that are enjoyable. Like it was one of the things. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was. It was gross. It just wasn't what you associate yeah. a, fr- a fruit to be. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it didn't have. It wasn't. Wasn't particularly sweet. Didn't have that. That sweet kind of acidity balance. It was. It was bitter and green yeah. and herbal. But that um, you know that's when like what you know like as a chef comes into it. Yeah, pe- yeah. Pickling, fermenting, like those exactly, dehydrating, yeah. like all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah we did a, like a sorbet. Sorbets are awesome. Oh, we've done out of it. Tons with it now. Um, we glazed duck, pickled them for jerky. Yeah. Yeah, we've done heaps of it. But yeah, I think again, that's kind of the, the really important part for chefs these days is to uh, try and get these ingredients and figure out ways that we can incorporate it into yeah. the home life mm. yeah. or into. But I think that can, that can also make identifying hard because well, you can yeah. taste some of these fruits and go, "Oh, it's gross! Can't chuck it away." Yeah, yeah. When yeah. it when it that's could be true. nice. So it's again that's why people. That's why you need to have someone to show you or yeah, or even if if you can buy these things to do grow well, buy them first, get to know what they look like, what they taste like, and then you can mm. p- potentially find them. And um. Just going back to some of the resources that people can use and stuff, there's, a, there's an app out there called the Wild Food Map, the Wild Food Map app. And uh, that sort of like drops pins on spots, like people can drop pins on spots where they've, they've been able to forage things and whatever. Yeah. Someday I'll put all my pins down. Yeah. One day. Yeah. yeah. When we sell you should sell your, yeah, when <laughs> you should sell your pins. Yeah. It's one of the things like everyone needs, to, <coughs> everyone needs to do it to make that app yeah. worthwhile. And in Sydney they are, but down here, um, bless her. Yeah. I'll do it. Start doing it. I'll do it. Because right. Diego's involved with that app. Yeah, okay. As well. Right. Yeah, so the, you know, there's resources out there for people. And the other thing as well is that if, if you're not actually interested in going out and foraging yourself and, and putting in the effort to identify and, and, and try to make use of some of this stuff... You can buy it as well. And online, like you can yeah. find them online. There's different suppliers yeah. and things. Even to the public, there are websites and yeah. things like that that sell yeah. things like, like Samfire. So, some, yeah, some of it you can, some of it you can't. I think it's, it's the stuff that you can't that is one of the reasons yeah. chefs go out and forage it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then just going back to what you were saying, just because it's a forage ingredient, it's not automatically delicious if you eat it it needs work and that's why you see chefs using it more than you see at home depending on what the ingredient is because it needs work and not all of these ingredients are you know the main the main component of a dish you you might you you know just looking at what we have here you can make something where the the main ingredient is pine mushrooms and that's probably about it everything else will be a garnish or made into a sauce or used dehydrated or something like that yeah there's a a lot of potential for salads Salads, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just green stuff. Yeah, just lots of um, green stuff. Salad. But yeah, I mean that's that's why I like. But little, little accents like that, like little, a little kind of punch of bitter or punch of acidity on on a on a restaurant dish, kind of makes a difference. Yeah. Um, but there's there's definitely some stuff you can use at home, um, mushrooms especially, some of the fruits and like you know, lemon myrtles. One, I think people oh, people smell lemon myrtle and they go, Holy oh my shit. god, yeah. how good is that? Yeah. And like yeah, so tasty. Just scrunch it up and put it in some hot water. Well, you, you've got tea. Yeah, All right, well, let's start. The you know we've talked a bit about foraging. Is there anything else like sort of about the whole idea of foraging? You know, we've talked about identification and sort of resources for people. Oh uh, yeah, no, we haven't talked about yet. Um, let's go into it a bit more, Tom. Um, being in the Illawarra, being in Wollongong, I mean, we sit here in Cabo now, and it takes it takes us literally one minute to get to the beach, and it takes about 
four minutes to get to a rainforest, yeah. a temperate rainforest. So we're pretty uniquely positioned here to access a really broad range of ingredients. So do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about the diversity? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, if you think about the, you know, um, diverse, like around Australia, if you think about the different places that there are, no one really has the kind of diversity that we have here. Like, you know, when we went foraging essay, we went from seaweeds to, uh, you know, millipillies to lemon myrtle uh, to pine mushrooms like yeah. that's such a jump um, in environments that they're in um, and it makes it makes it really interesting to kind of be in that you can you can do so much and I think also like really it comes down to the balance of lifestyle like you know I said to people all the time if you're in Sydney and you're at the beach good luck getting anywhere in five minutes mm. <laughs> good luck good being luck. able to swim yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah good yeah. luck getting yeah. out of the car park yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and so yeah it's kind of it's really nice to have that kind of lifestyle um, I think one of the like one of the parts about foraging that I I personally think is really really cool and I only came across this in the um, Christmas holidays is gone um, we were at my auntie's house and all my little cousins that were like four or five years old they were like oh let's can you take us over to the creek? And I was like, well, I used to go there all the time, so definitely. And we walked over there and like we were walking around and then all of a sudden we came across some wild strawberries and they were all picking up these wild strawberries and um, actually picking up some uh, turkey rhubarb as well and eating it. And they were just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And their, their, their mum came up to me like a couple of weeks later. She's like, oh, you know, they just want to eat all these things now on the side of the road. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's that's probably not a good idea, but it's also the understanding of like where food comes from. Yeah. I think we've kids gr- love that shit. Yeah, we've grown up in a society <laughs> now eating, where eating stuff. you go to the Coles or Woolworths and you just buy things, and they just kind of you know, it's almost the perception that things grow on the shelf. And mm. That's not where they grow. That's not you know if you've ever grown carrots, carrots never ever ever look like they do the ones you buy in, in mm. Coles and Woolies. Like they've never I've never seen a carrot grow straight <laughs> in my life. Um, and so I think it's that kind of trying to get an education of where food comes from and um, the understanding that the environment plays such a massive part in that, um, yeah. especially for our future. It's interesting, hey? It's funny you say that. It's like it could almost be something sort of primal about picking ingredients from the from the wild and using them because for thousands of years, humanity were hunter-gatherers. Yeah. And, and that's it. We didn't farm anything. Yeah, now we, we just We hunted <laughs> and we gathered. Yeah. And this is the type of shit people would have been gathering you know what I mean mm. the stuff that's edible like the yeah. stuff that you can it's almost it's of. almost funny how we've gone backwards in a way like we knew all this stuff and then we outsourced everything yeah. and now we know nothing yeah. and now we're trying to relearn it again trying to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's always um, a balance I think it's, it's if, if everyone decided to stop <coughs> buying from shops and go foraging then we'd decimate massive areas mm. so it, it's it's the balance of it like if everyone probably but some should. of it's weeds too which isn't too well bad. yeah yeah I mean we, we yeah but um, you know, weed, weed's part of the sort of ecosystem that they're in, so it's, it's one of things like everyone can't go out and forage because it would ruin it. Yeah. But a, a little bit here and there, just taking a couple of little things. There's a perception of food, though. Like, yeah, I think somebody tagged me in something this morning on Facebook that was, um, I think, probably shouldn't name it. Big supermarket companies have bought out. Um, it's like Coles on us. Packaging. The yeah, probably uh, packaging that you don't have to actually like for meat. So you don't actually oh, yeah, have to, oh, that. Yeah, yeah. you don't actually have to touch the meat when you cook it. 
because people are so scared of touching the meat. Yeah. Mm. It's like, yeah. I was just like... Are we that fucking disconnected from... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, we we just... We don't even want to touch the meat Mm. that we're okay to cook, eat, though. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so, again, I guess this is trying to get back to that, what we we should be feeling about for how we mm. should feel about food well, and treat it this is what the indigenous people of australia did yeah yeah like and you know the, the women we probably should mention that as well when it comes to foraging i mean the women did yeah mm. majority all of this. this yeah men were and, the hunters and yeah um and speaking to indigenous people about it that's what you know it was very important that that was the way it was done mm. um i mean not that we're trying to get out there and be disrespectful or anything we're just trying to sort of do do something unique for our restaurant mm. <coughs> um was available to us and try and be respectful doing it by taking what you need yeah exactly and yeah. everything I guess but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah definitely get that get, the advantage of it is getting that little bit of connection yeah to, to the food um and to where it grows and, and the seasons as well like you know, we were going to go and get pine mushrooms um mm. for this podcast but um it's just been so hot and dry. Yeah, you know, bit of a bit of rain and yeah, a yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, se- the season stops. <laughs> it, it really makes you learn about the seasons as well. And <clears throat> even like the lily pillies are last of them, and, and some of the greens will sort of go. Like the purslane will start to go now as well when summer finishes. So, learning about the seasons and, and connecting a bit with the, with the the environment is definitely an advantage of it. Cool. Um, we're go- we're going to go straight into just talking about some of this stuff that um, we've got in front of us now. If you're listening to this, we're going to put up photos of all of this stuff on Instagram on like quicksand food and your guys's Instagrams and stuff as well. Uh, and there'll also be an article in the upcoming cold coast magazine about forage food that, um, of the Illawarra that you can have a read about with photos there as well, but we'll go straight into just talking about some of these things. And you just mentioned, um, your pine mushrooms, Simon, and this kind of this pod, this whole idea for this podcast evolved because we wanted to go up, um, go up and grab some pine mushrooms because the season isn't long like it's an autumn season yeah and it's not long and you can you know head to the top of the escarpment and you know you can find a place to grab them so let's start like there's a few things that we'll talk about so i mean habitat for pine mushrooms uh pine forests so yeah where where there are pine trees there can be pine mushrooms um they live in symbiosis symbiosis, symbiosis, yeah symbiosis yeah (laughs) apparently i like to use that word all the time oh he likes likes to sound scientific that's right yeah so um but again, this super short season, basically when, when autumn comes and the temperature drops and you get that bit of rain, you get that humidity, that's when they pop up. So they, they came up uh, maybe three weeks ago, and then since then there's been <coughs> there's been no rain, um, and it's, it's been, been hot. like 30 degrees <laughs> up there. So, so they've, we went up Stop. two weeks ago, and they're just starting to get dry, so there's probably not much going on there. Um, so again, you know, you've got to work with the seasons when you're, when you're foraging. Um, pine mushrooms go for about forty dollars a kilo if you can get them mm. from the market. They are delicious. Um, yeah, yeah, and they're so they're like the tastiest, meatiest mushroom. Yeah. They're, they're so meaty. Pretty, yeah, so they're meaty. pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so, AKA saffron milk caps as yeah. well. If you're trying yeah. to like research them, they're also known as saffron yeah. milk caps. So, so quite easy. They're orange. So we'll sort of describe them a little bit for the people listening. Like the fresh ones will have an orange, an orange cap mm. and an orange, orange gills underneath yeah. as well. Super bright orange. Quite and flat. Gills. Quite flat. They're not really like cupped. They're no, generally like flatten out quite. They normally have a little bit of a indent. A, a, a indent yeah, sort of inverted, there. inverted cap as well. In the middle mm. of the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, pine forest. They're delicious. Um, so. We so flavor-wise, yeah, you're just talking like that really earthy. I think the the best part about pine mushrooms is is the, I guess the texture of like being that meaty. Yeah, mm. um, so you never fun. you you kind of always think about having mushrooms for dinner, but they're never really that filling. 
Whereas you buy water in, yeah, shit, yeah, son. you cook them and so much water comes out. Pine mushrooms, like you could have a whole pine mushroom for dinner and you'd be it just simply nature's ribeye, and that's just ribeye. They they take longer to cook than you think as well, like to yeah. you know, like than mm. a normal mushy and stuff. Or from my experience, um, uh, yeah. So obviously seasonality. We're talking about autumn. Um, yeah, it's short season just this time of year and. More and more people are getting into it. Um, yeah. Let's talk quickly about how you've used them. Andy, how have you used them at Babyface? We just did them as a um, simple dish because obviously all our stuff's sharing. Um, dish of pine mushies with like furic. We made furikak butter. Um, like furikak's a Japanese rice seasoning traditionally, but we make our own at the restaurant out of like dehydrated um, king brown mushrooms mm-hmm. and like a kombu cracker. Um, roasted sesame uh, and uh, Korean like labor <coughs> and just dehydrate it all and blend it up and it um like it's just a beautiful seasoning mm-hmm. but it works so well with the mushrooms like the sesame and everything it's just like salty fucking goodness mm-hmm. yeah. we just sauteed them yeah and, and like the pure cut was in the butter and then we'd hit them with some more and it was just a little plate of mushrooms so you could either have it as just a sort of middle dish while we'd put another couple of things out with it or it would be like as a side for mm. you'd get say pork, beef, and Tasty. and the pine mushies. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, dehydrate them like when you can't get any more, I yeah. guess. And you can powder. And you can use like them in the same way as you'd use like porcini and stuff. Do you reckon? Do you reckon they're yeah. strong enough? Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, yeah. They, they are strong. Like, yeah, 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 super, super but, um, aromatic. Even like you know, like a stock base. Like if you've got heaps of them sitting up on the shelf. Yeah, like end of last season when we <coughs> sort of last them, we we pickled some and dried them and. Yeah, it's in, in soups and stocks. Um, they, they add such like a depth of earthy flavour. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important not to, you know, there's, there's no point throwing the last one away. Like, you shouldn't waste things. There's always Especially ways if you've to taken preserve. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's how you, the can, thing. You, you can make them last most of the year. You can also dehydrate mushrooms just by leaving them out. Yeah, yeah. that's really like, Yeah, you don't, you don't need a dehydrator yeah. to be able to make dehydrated mushrooms. Mm. We'll, put them, we'll put them with a beef dish. Yep. But I've got some stuff coming from Erica and Hayden that I'm going to put with. Yeah, some even pines even dehydrating and then blitzing blitz them up, making a little powder, and you can literally use that as, as like you know, mushroom salt, mushroom seasoning. Yep. Um, yeah, chuck on some chips. Cool, mm. lovely. Uh, and we'll sort of like talk a little bit about for people who want to think about using these things at home. Like that, that these are probably one of the best ingredients to actually take home and use because yeah. you can use them like a mushroom, just like any other mushroom and there's a, there's a lot of them there, but we want to emphasize with these guys like if you haven't been shown what what these mushrooms look, look like, don't just go into the forest and pick whatever mushrooms mm. and start eating yeah, them definitely. because there are things called death caps and the reason they're called death caps is because they'll kill you. Yeah, mm. and, you, and so, you do see them in the forest. Yes. Um I've never been mushroom foraging with kids, but I can imagine that would be really fun. Like oh, kids, yeah. would, kids would get really excited, it'd be like you know, hide and seek and finding mushrooms, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be really yeah, fun trip as a as a family thing, and it'd be really awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Um, yeah, showing yeah. the kids what it's all about, yeah. they'd love it. And the, I think that um, I mean, we probably take it for granted because we've done it a fair bit, but being in a pine forest is really cool. Like it's a, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting environment, well, especially Belangelo's creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just say that yeah. like, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, but yeah, the history it, there. But so, that is like such a. It's like, so lined up. It's yeah. so perfect. Yeah. Just like like you look down and you just yeah. see. Yeah, yeah the, the colors in the middle and, and the you smell. Just like you look to air yeah. every way and it's like I can't see. It looks yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. and in the morning, in the morning, it's so beautiful because it's like in the highlands. If it's cold, it's misty. Yeah, like yeah. 
pretty yeah, freaky. Like Wingello and is a bit nicer. Wingello is a bit more like kind of bushy. Yeah. Then what's yeah. the other one? Penrose. Penrose. Penrose yeah. Yep. There's a lot of good ones down. But these are all within an hour of where yeah. we are yeah. right now. Yeah. Basically. Cool. All right. Bang. Let's move on to another one. Um, lemon myrtle. We, yeah. we mentioned yeah. that before. Lemon myrtle's great. Yeah. Such, such a yeah. fragrant, fragrant aromatic. So here's the sound of lemon noodle. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I smell it. Can Scratch, you smell that? Scratch, smell that. <laughs> um, Tom, lemon noodle, go. Uh, lemon noodle is a um, a native to Australia. Um, we forage it in the mall. Um, in Wollongong Mall. Yeah, in yeah. Wollongong Mall. Right near the taxi rank. Uh, right near the taxi rank, and you'll probably get some weird looks when you when you're picking it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a leaf. It's a leaf. It's a, it's uh, kind of, it. kind of a. Uh, almost like I think is it part of the um, what family is it part of the uh, I can't remember Myrtle family Myrtle family <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> a long, really really, really it's a lot long green leaf yeah um, quite traditional uses in um, Aboriginal cookery yeah um, we have we have we have a dish on at the moment that is barramundi um, and traditionally you would get a whole barramundi you would wrap it in lemon myrtle leaves and then paper bark and mm. cook it over coals so the lemon myrtle leaves work like baking paper yeah so we, a- we're doing a dish at the moment that is um, barramundi cooked over coals with some paper bark that we put in there to get that smoky flavour and then we use a lemon myrtle leaf as, as kind of baking paper underneath the fish tasty baking paper um, yeah. and it just yeah. infuses so much flavour like even even for me like I'm on the other side of the kitchen yeah, and all I can smell, smell is lemon myrtle mm. and it's yeah. just like so beautiful um, it's kind of that lemony medicinal flavour that's just yeah so bright and fragrant yeah but yeah something that Fred from Fred's bush tucker taught us yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're cooking with him it's, it's kind of um yeah, yeah, what I said to you, Tom, yesterday, it's like when you smell it, it's this—it's a similar sort of pungency to like when you scratch up a kaffir lime yeah, leaf or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's just got that ridiculous yeah, amount of yeah, aroma lime, and lemon those oils and, in there. Yeah, kaffir like, lime's like that intense, uh, you know, almost like you've just have a whole mouthful of a lime zest. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas for me, lemon myrtle's a bit more kind of like almost a little bit more balanced and that medicinal mm. smell, which. I think it's really um it's really familiar. Yeah, like it's a, I feel like it. You know, it kind of I can think about any sort of like lemon flavored yeah, lolly kind of or of, something. Um, and like lemon flavored cough syrup when you're a kid. Cough. Yeah, it's um. But I think Tom said like tea. Yeah, make, like make some tea hot, out of yeah, water. So yeah, so scrunch up a couple of leaves, put it in hot water, yeah. leave it for a bit. It'll yeah, or even flavor, like really like healthy. and the beauty of it, it releases toxins out of your body yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, I just said that because it sounds like it's right. Yeah, probably like not. when you're making a tea, you can just say things like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really so good. Actually, it's, I don't actually think about tea is anything like anything in a tea yeah. is just like it's pretty good for a just say, Yeah, it's a cleansing yeah, yeah, and toxic. Toxin, toxins. Actually, makes you live for a hundred years. more It makes you relaxed. Yeah, all right. Anyway, let's not talk about stupid bullshit science. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's accessible. You've got to figure out what it looks like. It's available in the mall. Um, <laughs> probably the more, to be honest, it's probably one of the more difficult ones to identify from afar. Yeah, um, it just looks like but, a tree. Yeah, but as soon tree. as you, as soon as, as you, you get it. a leaf and you it's scrunch it up and fuck. smell it, it's like the most obvious. But they're yeah. less common. They're more common in northern New South Wales and, yeah, and yeah. southeast Queensland. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, so seed myrtle is actually more popular. Andy, you, yeah, you, yeah. you were telling us the other week about a dish that you were sort of uh, hitting. What are you hitting with lemon Oh, lemon myrtle. myrtle. Oh, yeah. we're just doing these... We're doing scallops, and we're just, like, scrunching oh, it up. Slapping. Like, literally just before 
like as the server would take it and they'd put it down you could smell the lemon metal underneath yeah. the scallop and it was yeah. just like that's how punchy it is yes. but it's like it's I just think something like that um, is nice at the table because you're using your nose as well I mean I know you do that when you eat anyway but like it's it gets the table that lovely yeah. smell and you're like what, what is that haunting aroma yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it smells more than you can taste so yeah, yeah. Still, uh, so it adds it just adds to it yeah cool. things like, if you're cooking a bit of fish just before it's finished just chuck well, down, chuck down yeah. a pan with it we do it do that and we make a lemon, like a cultured lemon myrtle butter yeah 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 it's that done uh, cool, yeah, we'll jump on to the next one. We're going to try to run through them. We've got like, what do we got? We've got 24. four by five. So we've got 20 different twenty different <laughs> yeah. things here. We're not going to have the time to talk about everything. Um, we've got nasturtium in front of us now as well, leaves and flowers. These are like the darlings of, of yeah. finicky chefs at the moment. Like, yeah. you, see, you see them everywhere. They just look beautiful. They, so they, just, they look really pretty, but like, yeah. They've you, been fucking flogged. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, really so much so that you can buy like punnets of this in the market now. Like, so this, this is one of the ones, it, 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 you know, it grows everywhere. I don't this know is what this doing. is one thing that you probably like shouldn't buy a punnet of. Yeah, like, definitely. There's, it's like, just so, so many places. Like, you know. there's certain things like on here. Go ahead, pay money for them or yeah. whatever. But like an assertion, like please don't buy a punnet. There's a down beside the hairdresser, just yeah. like literally yeah. a one minute walk away from here. There's yeah. a whole bed of them, and yeah. then down by the river in like, Sydney. If you're walking around, like if you walk from, if you, I reckon, if you walk from Central to, like. I don't know. You walk 200 meters up Broadway, yeah. you'll find them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in Sydney. It was, it's classified it as a weed, and like yes. we, we put styrofoam boxes out the back with some dirt in them and bought a couple of seeds. And literally, yeah. it's, unless you put them right in the sun, it's pretty hard to kill them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they just they grow out of uh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like if, if you can't even find them, they're so easy to grow in a little box in your garden or in your balcony or something. But like, they are, they're, pr- they're a pretty they, little They garnish. look so pretty. Yeah. Oh, they're dude, they're little, so pretty. Round, little round tops. They kind of look um, like a lotus leaf, like a, mm. a mini lotus leaf sort of thing. Yeah, um, you do see them everywhere. The and flat, nice the, orange and red flowers. Yeah, the flowers are delicious as well. And uh, Bray do a dish where they char, like, char, char the flowers briefly, and they're, they're pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just really pretty little. And this is like a very chefy thing. Is a couple of little uh, nasturtiums on a dish at the end. And so flavor wise, like they're really peppery and like yeah, pretty strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we we were juicing the like all of it, like the root, like the root everything. Mm put it through a juicer and it's like clears the room out mm. <laughs> but um like then when it when it's like actually gets when some oxygen yeah. and, and like yeah. all of the punchiness kind of drops out of it it's got this incredibly earthy yeah um you know green leaf sort of flavor yeah. we we're, were making dressing out of them for the dish we did for yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for the book yep mm-hmm. yeah Fish. just a little yeah. bit of nasturtium yeah. root yeah, juice you, in there. use them sparingly like, like it's basically. yeah like tastes like rocket like a lot of things do Peppery, yeah. it's green. super peppery when yeah. you first like snap a leaf, like oh, break yeah, it yeah. yeah, so <laughs> intense. Yeah, a couple of little so bit mad that accent. For the punters out there, like I would literally just say, if you're at all interested in foraging, start with nasturtium. Yeah, figure out what they look like. Go for a ten minute walk, and you'll probably see some. Mm. And then put the flowers and the leaves in your next salad. Yeah, like yeah. simple yeah. as that. That's Gar- a, impress, the, impress the friends. The most approachable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the most approachable. Oh, I just picked these out of the garden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, most one of the most approachable sort of things that you can forage, yeah. and it's available everywhere. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, just go on the, the sea or the beach vegetables. See, I, think, I think they're really yeah, interesting. So we get- We've brought all these different things in front of us. Now we're going to try to run through them all. But these are all the all the things that you find in the dunes. In the mangroves, in the sort of the sides of estuaries and things like that, but um, 
Yeah, along the beach line. And Within 50 metres of water. And, and luckily we have a lot of beautiful coastline here. So let's go from, from the top. Uh, ruby saltbush or different salt bushes we've got there as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd almost put them in like the saltbush, beach mustard, sea blight and samphire. They're delicious and they, they're quite good if you cook them. If you just put them in a little pan with a little bit of butter. Um, amazing with like meats uh, careful, and fish. Careful with your seasoning though. They are yeah, yeah, quite yeah. Salty. They're, they're, they're naturally, to yeah. To taste before you season, naturally <laughs> Which is salty. perfect because then you don't have to season your food. Well, yeah, yeah. A lot of time, yeah. You're using, using sort of less salt in that sense. Um, so they, they're quite wow. hardy. Yeah. Saltbush. So salt. let's go. Let's go. Let, can we go through them one at a time? Because they are different. Yeah. Um, so right. saltbush. Saltbush. Um, yeah, pretty self-explanatory, really. It's, Incredibly um, common as well. Yeah, it's, it grows everywhere. Perimeter Beach is heaps of it. Um, yeah, just really, really salty, which I think, you know, as, as chefs, we always kind of trying to find things that um, are kind of an, a natural way of doing um, what you want to do and, and seasoning ingredients to, to, to find balance in a dish is really important. Um, and so saltbush is kind of... Uh, a natural seasoning um, and you said you know you put it on you put some salt bush with some beef and you don't have to put salt mm. so there's um, actually there's a cool one you can buy off um, Outback Pride guys in Reedy Creek in South Australia they got um, Mike Warmby got there was a variety that had been pretty much destroyed due to like grazing and stuff when we started introducing mm. you know lamb yeah, oh, and, and the rest, I think, when yeah. it was cattle, everything anyway, it got pretty much destroyed. But he found some, and I think he grafted it with another one or something. But anyway, it's got quite big leaves, yeah, but it's like, like not bitter at all. It's yeah. like really... Is that old man's saltbush? Uh, no, I think that's... In the it's not old man's. It's poor man's. I, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, but, um, there's lots of different, different types of salt. It's, nice. re- it's really delicious. Yeah. yeah. And we hit it with like some vinegar powder on our scallops. Like we do salt and vinegar, Dutch cream. Yeah, yeah, potato yeah. Scallops. Nice. We cook them in like Asian smoked pork Yum. fat. The potatoes. When did you start doing that? Uh, I want one. Month ago or something. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but the, the salt. So that's the, how we you just use them. Cr- uh, fry it and put it on top of those, and it's fucking delicious. Yum. You guys have you guys used salt? Yeah, we, yeah, we used it on meat dishes, fish dishes. Um, at the moment, with the barramundi dish Tom was talking about. We have a little just a little salad with a beach mustard. Um, Saltbush, samphire, um, and kakala, which is a type of pig face. And then we also dehydrate some and turn it into a powder and then oh, yeah, put it on um, a compressed radish. So we get radishes, make a pickle liquid, and compress the liquid into the radish. So you still get the beautiful crunch of a fresh radish, but it tastes like a pickled radish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit of saltbush powder on top to kind of balance the flavour out. Yum. Yeah, so yeah. you use it in lots of ways. Um, and like, like I said, they can be like, cooked. They're great as well. Raw, just pick the leaves off. They're, they're really tasty. And there's a few different types, yeah? Yeah, the most common one is the one we will have a picture of. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that most common around this area. Coastal saltbush? Yeah, yeah. So the different areas um, have, have different different types. But they, they, all, they all have kind of looks in common and um, grow in the same sort of places. And everywhere from like beachy to... Desert as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, types in the, yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. They get the, so there's heaps of different, heaps of different, different types. types. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Samphire. Everyone, whenever people see it, they're always like, "What's that thing that looks like asparagus?" Um, and I guess it kind of does look like asparagus. I guess, yeah, they call it sea asparagus. Yeah, sea asparagus. Asparagus of the sea. Um, 
quite quite fibrous. Like the if you get like kind of the wrong parts of it, it's yeah, really gotta, not you gotta, nice. You got to make sure you get rid of the woody bits. But yeah. I mean, that's the, you got to cut the bottom off asparagus yeah. as well. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. But the, the tips are like a beautiful salty, beautiful pop, salty. Hey. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice. And you can have them. Well, we've done them raw and kind yeah, of saute thing, yeah. a little bit. Really nice. Um, yeah, yeah. We usually just saute. And, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think these ones have probably the most um, applications at home. Like if you get a little mix of them, chuck them in a pan. Stir like, fry. Yes, yeah, so stir fry. Put yeah, them in a stir fry like with some vegetables. Fish or with lamb yeah. or, or whatever you have. Like they're, they're just really good, um, and they can make up like more of a part of a meal. Like the rest of the stuff can be just kind of little garnish or little salady things. But these can kind of. You could put literally. You put all of these, couldn't you, in a. Oh, yeah. In it saute. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you would probably yeah. be nicer than what you normally do at yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd actually give some seasoning to yeah. it. And yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and then natural salt. Mm. So that's samphire. Samphire, that's like, it's kind of a mangrove dweller. And yeah, like, like uh, right marsh, close to the lands, water. Generally, yeah, um, I had to put the gumboots on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we, we well, the spot that we get it from is um, behind uh, down in Berkeley where Lake Illawarra kind of end like the lake ends um so lake illawarra obviously the last couple of years kind of a lot of regeneration programs and one of them is this little part in berkeley where they've kind of sectioned off a whole lot of um of the land and a lot of sand fires coming through there now because of that regeneration program um it's like such an awesome little spot um so much so much so much wildlife kind of regrowing there so many flies so many flies though oh, and it's just like a, it's like one of those things like it's awesome because there's so much going it's on gross. like so many things growing and it's a really nice natural habitat but yeah, yeah. it's just muddy and and like just a million flies like yep. a million yeah. yeah it's not fun get the gumboots on if you want to get out there and, and get some so, samphire so many mosquitoes like yeah. just ridiculous come back just scratch just, yeah not fun yeah. you can find it around like rock platforms and stuff as well I found some down at yeah. the farm yeah down you can yeah yeah, yeah. Alright, cool. Samphire, beach mustard. Let's talk quickly about beach mustard. Obviously. Beach mustard is probably the most popular um, thing you can find at the beach, to be honest. Like the most abundant. The most, most abundant, yeah. Like, if you've yeah, if you've ever gone to the beach, you've probably seen beach mustard. Yeah. It is just absolutely yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. Um, it's kind gyms. of like a... It's kind of a succulenty, but also has that little bit of mustard flavour. Um, beautiful purple... Purple flowers? Purpley? Mm. Violet? Yeah, yeah. Flowers, um, yeah, it is just everywhere. Yeah, Sal- salty everywhere. with a bit of mustard heat hit. Yeah, and um, how do you guys use this one? Um, you, again, you just pick off the leaves and the flowers, and, and we just dress that with a little vinaigrette. Or same thing if you pick off you know, sort of the, the the stems a bit more, wilt them down in a pan, um, a little bit of oil, just super tasty as well. And that that'll take a little bit of that mustardy out uh, mustardness. With the, the we did a pork dish a while ago. That was really tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of times, just just pick the little leaves, have them on raw, and that just adds that little bite to it. Um, but yeah, it's super delicious and, and abundant down the beach. You would have walked past it. Everyone has. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Turkey rhubarb. This, this one's super cool. Actually. This one uh, that when we did a little foraging trip with Diego, he put us onto because he really rates this it's as well. Everywhere too. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Just, again, it's sort of in the in the in the dunes by the beach. Um, Real lemony flavour. But yeah, it, it's a salad leaf, but just has like a burst of lemon, which, yeah. you, which is like kind of confuses where it comes like from. Sorrel, if you've ever seen sorrel, mm. it tastes a bit like sorrel. Mm. Um, so like, yeah, again, super good with like with fish, um, and that raw especially, just gives that bite. I think if you had a little just a, you know, couple of leaves of that, dress it, a bit of fish, you'd be pretty happy with that. Um, 
it's, yeah. it's, it's the thing of like getting back to it again like we were, we're trying to add flavors through ingredients you know, yeah you're trying to add salt you, through an ingredient you use salt bush you're trying to add acid through an ingredient you yeah. use turkey rhubarb Especially, like, the, the pe- people kind of often when they're cooking at home just think about you want to add the flavor of salt you just add salt and that's it they they're kind of just stuck on that you know you want to add acid you put lemon juice like yeah it's fine that works but there's other ways to do that yep. and you can do that um, without having to buy salt mm. or without having to buy lemons or you know through using other ingredients mm. which kind of also you know it's impressive isn't it oh, well, we've also got a background you know we've been taught to cook for X amount of time and learn off different people and you as a chef uh, like cooks and chefs out there listening it's more about I think you know we spoke about it, it's all good and more to go and get this stuff and throw it on a plate but it's applying the techniques that you've learned yeah. to, to make it then more unique like whether you pickle something or f- yeah. ferment dehydrate like the list goes on but like using those applications to make these things whether it be more tasty yeah. or sort of unique to what you're doing in, yeah. in, in your you, restaurant kitchen you definitely see on some, some dishes you, you see on social media or other places where they've just taken whatever they could find and chucked it on top for, for no reason whatsoever yeah. so mm. yeah so it, it's learning about like what things taste like and the ones we're talking about are, the, are the, probably the more interesting ones like there's a lot of leafy greens you can find and most of them taste about the same they're yeah. bitter a bit peppery and taste of green yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and you and that that flavour is useful sometimes if you want that bit of t- bit of bit of taste in the dish. But the, these ones definitely have uh, a bit more going for them, especially the turkey rhubarb. Never tasted anything else like that before. Yeah, there's a lot. I think there is like a you can you can sort of taste the sort of a environmental thread through like the through the the salt bush and the samphire and the mm. warrigal greens and and stuff which we haven't talked about yet. But it's just got. It's got this sort of like reflection of that sort of like beach environment, that yeah, really yeah. sort of like saline, yeah. saline hit. And you oh, got mm. the <clears throat> samphire is just like a yeah. salty pop. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like taking a bite out of the ocean. Mm. Yeah, and I guess um, do we have like when it comes to using some of this stuff? And so, look, I, I don't even know if it's necessary to talk about everything in as much detail as we have, but we've got sea blight here as well, aka sea spray, which is another sort of coastal. It's actually starting to flower. Starting yeah, to flower. Like miniature succulent. Little succulent um, type of thing. And again, just a little like these salty, big, bigger so- bits have, salty yeah, hits. Salty pop, like those ones, mm. more so than the top ones. They taste a bit yeah. different. Yeah. And the flowers, we um, were pickling them for a garnish. And they like they soften up nicely and take on the acid. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, right. Who has to pick the flowers? No, we were just like. Oh, leaving that. it, leaving them on. Job. Oh come on, it's not, it's not that much of a shit job. <laughs> yeah, not for you. <laughs> oh well, Andy. there's always those jobs. Yeah, even um, sorting through the shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a bag. <laughs> so sea blight, sea blight, and then we got warrigal greens there, which, which are actually probably one I'd suggest is is sort of sits beside nasturtiums or yeah, something oh. that, that you can just go out and just grab shitloads of. everywhere. Yeah. It's absolutely right. everywhere. Um, again, we'll have photos of it. Uh, you can find photos of it on the Wild Food app or online or whatever. But um, coastal spinach, it's also called coastal spinach or New yeah, Zealand New spinach. Zealand spinach. Yeah. Um, and it ha- yeah. Texturally, it's like spinach. I mean, we... It looks like spinach. We fry the... Like, pick the leaves, um, fry them, and just salt them really quickly, and they're yeah. like Moorish, yeah. like yeah. they're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we put them on top of a um, 
like a mushroom dish we do mm. with some labor and stuff and um, one about misos but they're fucking like, yeah just like a crunchy delicious yeah. little chip awesome. kind of thing yep. that's not like the only use obviously but and these these are a bit more sort of substantial when it comes to an ingredient it's like a large a large leaf that that you can you know you can you saute a whole bunch of it or fry it like you say andy and you'll get some sort of decent decent yield out of it saute is probably i mean treat it like spinach yep, yeah treat it like spinach yeah. pretty much They're a bit more like bitter like the least and you you know spinach you buy in the shop but yeah cool yeah warrigal greens that's another good one mm. we've got some pig face here as well um we don't Seed, have any blights like the the miniature version of a beach succulent and then pig face like is like the yeah. uh, adult version of a yeah beach yeah succulent. yeah you're right so yeah pig face has got the leaves if you'd call them that the, then the purple flowers and Beautiful you can eat flowers. the petals mm. um and then also it's got like a fruit as well which we didn't find any of yesterday and because i guess it's not in season at the moment the fruit but um yeah lots of different lots of different aspects to pig face too it's a good name great name we did it on our uh, pork dinner mm. um, pig face with pig face yeah braised pig head and did it with pig face yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> How'd you come up with that one? That's a yeah, we, 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 I love shit like he that. Loves I just thought that was the best name. Yeah, big, big face, big face. <laughs> People have no yeah, idea what's going on with it. What? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. writing menus and you start with like clever no, no, names no, no, and no, work no. backwards yeah, into exactly. it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't that. We did even worse. We did pig fish, pig face. Oh, that's right. So we got pig fish, oh. which is a fucking fish, yeah. and then did with pig face, and yeah, everyone was pretty confused by what they were going to be eating pig fish pig face yeah <laughs> cool what's a pig fish alright well that's the that's that's the uh, sort of the, the dune the dwellers and the and the estuary dwellers and stuff and um, we'll quickly get on to a couple of these other ones let's let's go to lily pilly and bush tomatoes yeah so these are fruits yeah there's, there's quite a lot of fruit like these are harder to find um, less abundant Need, need to uh, either know a spot or, or come across them. I mean, li- lily pillies grow in a lot of places. You'll see them on trees. Um, so can we describe what lily pillies are looking like? You'll see them on trees. You'll see them on trees. Oh, all the everywhere. Pink to purple berries from a very small cherry tomato to a they're large really quite, cherry They're tomato. really quite bizarre because they're kind of really high tannins, but yeah. not alcoholic, which is almost bizarre. Like, well, it's yeah, like drinking red wine uh, without we, the alcohol. Yeah, it's like just very drying... Acidity. It's yeah. like they they sort of dry your mouth out. Yeah, they used to use them like used to eat them like candies. Um, when they're when they're else. like really in season and like you you can look at them and say that's a beautiful looking lily pilly. Yeah. That's when they obviously taste yeah. the best, delicious yeah. and they are quite sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, jam's a really good thing to make out yeah. of them. Something that you can do at home and it, yeah. it's not and too you can, difficult. You can pick so many of them if you find a tree oh, like, out, yeah. out the back in the car park here. There's, there's Ten, yep. 10 trees and during the summer there'll just be just heaps and heaps of fruit There's on it one in the Leisure Coast car park that yeah. is like oh, more huge. lily pillies on it than I've seen yeah. it was it's insane enormous, hey? they were just all over I would just grab my hat <laughs> just and just walk over insane. while I was doing the, like doing some shopping I take a good hat so make a jam lily pillies yeah again photos available um you're not going to mistake anything else for these, really. Like when it, you know, in terms of color and shape and stuff like that. But yeah, you can get into them. When we've got, we made um, some vinegar. Okay. You know, like a vinegar mother, we do all different vinegars and like uh, the lily pillies. Yeah, come come up quite nice. Pickle them, um, dehydrate, and uh, blitz. And they make it like they hold their flavor really well. Mm-hmm. Intensifies a little bit. But yeah. yeah. Cool, lily pilly. Um, 
bush tomatoes. Should we talk about? Are these bush tomatoes? Uh, I think they're actually kangaroo tomatoes. Kangaroo tomatoes. Yeah, Same family though. Yeah. Um, but just different types. Yeah. I mean, tastes like tomato. Very, very seedy. Really, um, really, like quite. Again, getting back to that reflection of our environment, like really bitter, uh, like intense flavour. Bitter and seedy, and they they basically they they look like a very very small tomato. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a little very tomato. small. Go, go tomato. figure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, bitter and seedy. Yeah, mm. yeah. These I mean these ones are, that take a bit of work to to find some in, and they got to be a that kind of counterpoint to a dish. Yeah, you wouldn't want to make a soup out of them because for <laughs> one you need a fucking shit ton <laughs> and for two it tastes like shit yeah 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 they <laughs> just have to put sugar all through it yeah yeah so it's um but you can you can taste the potential in them oh yeah uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah there's potential yeah. in it all these ingredients and I think that's a, that's what getting back to it is like it's the best part about for us exploring these ingredients mm. there's no real rules which means you kind of making it up as you go along but there's yeah. also so much potential to discover something or, yeah. Yeah, it's a make challenge up, yeah make oh, up yeah. something that's never been done before I mean, yeah. I, I you know, what, what you know. guys do with your, these ingredients and what we do is completely different yeah, yeah. And like even just yeah. sitting here talking I'm just like oh yeah that's a sick you idea do, but and then I thought of like two or three other things that I could do that's kind of my, my style yeah. but been influenced by the things yeah. that you're saying which I think is, is yeah, cool well, to have I that wish, dialogue I wish um, I knew more about the indigenous uses for these and yeah. I, I think it's really really sad that it's not mm. something that we commonly know as chefs in Australia yeah. like we know more about French cookery and, yeah. and methods like etc like than we know about our own um, food culture yeah. and we touched on this in, an, in another po- uh, podcast but like about the unique position where and I think you just basically summed it up there are no rules for us there's no rules um mm. And we can kind of do what we want with them, which is, I mean, the case with any food, but, you know, we've been taught, oh, this is the way you make a stock, or this is the way you do this, this is the way you do this. But with this, we're going, grabbing it and and fucking with it and and hopefully making it taste good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, which is kind of nice, but it's also kind of like you wish you... You knew the, yeah. the the way in which it should be represented, almost. Uh, yeah, I definitely. So it can like, be a bit more true to, to yeah, like and respectful. Mm. Well, that's um, what we're trying to do. That Monday dish is yeah. trying to recreate oh, sure. that that natural flavour of how it yeah. should be. And I mean, Jock likes on Frillo. Back to him, he was saying like when he got here um, to Australia and he went out into the communities and was just like devastated about you know how a lot of these guys were living it and such and but it was devastated that it was so lost on yeah yeah on aussie chefs as mm, yeah. well it's lost knowledge it's, it's and it it's, is and it's it's fucking sad yeah. and it's um you know but it's funny that it's taken like he's irish right uh, yeah. scottish scottish is yeah. he sorry yeah. sorry mate um, <laughs> but um quite different but Shut up, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that there's a bit of uh, well, a bit guilt. There's like guilt well. in Australia and that that kind of yeah. fear of cultural yep. appropriation. I, yep. I do think that, um, like you know, it took you know when Noma came to Sydney, it took them to, to use a lot of these things to yep. kind of make it okay for Australian chefs. I think. Yeah, True. Was, let's not forget Peter Gilmore though. Like, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been like in my head. I think he's key. The menu there's kind of almost the definition of modern Australian these yeah, days, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Utilising all those ingredients, but utilising all, like, there's so many all Korean influences as well, things yeah. and all that sort of stuff that are do exist now yeah. in, our, in our culture and country. Well, even, I think uh, Rene Redzepi, when he came to Australia, like he said, as soon as the sooner Australia accepts that they're part of Asia, the better. Yeah. And it's so yeah. true. Like, yeah. we, we do, like, you know, if you think about the meals that you have for dinner, 
I have more Asian dinners yeah. than I do anything else. Mm. Like, but in our defence, how the fuck haven't we? Look around yeah. at the restaurants down, well, yeah, down yeah, exactly. this strip. Yeah. Mate, like I'm pretty sure we've accepted it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Embraced it. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. I think no, I don't know if we've we've so much we embrace it. We just do it, and, and without really kind of like people don't really think of us as a Asian, yeah, like a, a, an Asian style food or Asian style yeah. you know, eating all the time. But we just, I well, know we've definitely we, embraced it at the restaurant. Yeah, like yeah. how many yeah. Vietnamese restaurants there are in Wollongong is just ridiculous. Mm. Well, to like, Vietnamese and, and Thai, there's more than like yeah, you know what else. someone would say yeah. is an is an Australian style cuisine. There's yeah. more more of those style restaurants mm. than ours. Do you think? Do you, do you think though that like like this comment? I, I don't know the context of what Renee Redzepi was talking about when he said as soon as we acknowledge that we're a part of Asia the better but like it's probably more why what, what was that in context with like why like I feel like Australia has an opportunity to define its own cuisine why do we have to think of our cuisine well, in relation well, to yeah. other other established cuisines well I think it's more just taking influence like just so that can become a part of it yeah, yeah like we're not re- right we're not, we're not necessarily you know we've taken so much influence in our cooking from French cookery yeah for instance um and it's just accepting that we should take influence from Asian cuisines as well. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, which you a, don't it's okay get to. Yeah, yeah. yeah you oh. do, like, you don't get taught anything. Like, it's funny how you do your apprenticeship and you don't get taught anything about uh, native Australian ingredients. You don't get taught anything about Asian cuisine. Nothing. And you, we're, you know, all just kind of learning it on the fly. I almost. was trying to tell the guys, like, all the our three apprentices at work, like, you know, I mean, Stan knows a bit about it. He's Malaysian. His uncle's got restaurants and stuff. But, like, just the simple hot, sour salty sweet yeah. like how that you know <coughs> southeast asian like it's that but flavor base is, is yeah. just that that everything yeah. you know and, yeah and, and the there's balance whole, and it's there's whole and dishes it's, named after it but, sweet and sour yeah <laughs> but like they didn't you know a couple of the guys were like oh okay like I, no we didn't we didn't get taught about that still no. now like i did well, my apprenticeship yeah. in like 2000 yeah you know, I mean, like, we, we, we think of all dishes like that and like on a kind of spectrum of of Having all those all those flavor profiles present in every dish, and, and then along with texture, one way or another, to, to, yeah, to, and, and everything. Like when we trial something, it's, it always comes down to like it needs more acidity, or it needs a bitter element, or it needs this. But it's always about rounding it out. All right, well, let's quickly move on to these. These are the ingredients that live underwater. Mm. Um, we've got. One of the beautiful parts about foraging yesterday was the weather. Like it was just oh, like so nice, it was, and the water was so flat, so you could like that helped. We're like really, you know, could really get you into can get the, really in close, and, yeah, yeah. And have a look around and you know collect things. So that, we were on the rock platforms around South Beach grabbing this stuff. So we've mm-hmm. got Neptune's necklace, sea lettuce, and a type of seaweed that we actually this is cool. one that we haven't identified. It is edible. It, it is edible. Yeah, they call it dead man's fingers uh, or green sponge fingers. Dead man's fingers. Yeah, that's let's not, stick that's, with that one. Nah, dead, no green sponge, I reckon. Dead man's um, fingers. Call, yes. call it what you want out yeah. of two. Yeah, <laughs> seaweeds are but super seaweeds. important to start eating more of it. They're very nutritious. Um, they're uh, completely abundant. There's there's so much of it. I reckon if you like, um, and they're very sustainable. Yep. Um, and then they can be delicious as well. Um, not not only in seafood dishes, also with, with meats and things. Um, really weird texture, hey? Yeah, mm. yeah, spongy. Yeah. So Tom just ate some. Just a weird look on his face, and then spat it out. <laughs> just said, oh, it's really, weird. it's tasty. It's but just that's got kind a really like, weird texture. That's a part of what foraging is mm. all about: is like finding new things and assessing 
assessing you know being honest with yeah. what you know what your initial thoughts are and then as you guys as chefs yeah. it's your job to take it into the well, kitchen yeah. and use it I, right. I recognize that from seeing it on someone's instagram Sorry. recently yeah me when too I, when, I, when i saw it i was like oh shit what's that so we grabbed it i think it someone put a picture up and said we, we can finally harvest this and sell it or something it's one of the seeds. yes i saw that it was yeah, and yeah I think right it was a, oh, I, like I, a, I haven't seen it before thicker. Yeah. it's all right it's salty very salty. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Again, there's there's lots of seaweeds around. I th- like I think I read that you can eat all seaweeds. There's no bad ones. There's no poisonous ones. Uh, some might be nice. Some might be taste horrible. Um, there's a lot of it around. Very nutritious. People should eat more seaweeds. Delicious and nutritious. Mm. Yeah, and sea, sea, sea lettuce is one that you got. And you guys dehydrate that and use it for powders and things. But it's, again, super salty. Yeah, I mean, it all still quite salty because the, you know, the environment they live in. Yeah, and if you get sea lettuce, it's probably best to get it in not in stagnant. Like you know, if you can have a big tide and then the water will all sit there and wash off, and then like you know you're grabbing sea lettuce out of this warm stagnant warm rock pool. So yeah, yeah, get it in the get it in the rum ones that it's got the water washing over it. Yeah, cool. Obviously not at high tide either. Yeah, north facing oh. rock pools on low tide is the best place. Yeah. Nice. It's the rule. It's all right. Well, look, we're, I'm going to quickly run you through. Just we're just going to name because like I think that we could go on forever about all the different ingredients here and it is like it's so abundant but we've also got here we've got purslane we've got uh, we've got prickly pear pads so you know that they just sort of grow randomly like yeah. where the the fruit must have landed careful when you're picking them though I've still got them in my fucking fingers. yeah yeah careful like, where you're picking prickly yeah. pear pads yeah. it's not just a clever name yeah. no it really, yeah. they really are um, and they're tiny little pricks they're, they're an interesting ingredient as well they use them a lot in Mexican cooking um, wild garlic flowers we've got oxalis uh, yeah well, I said purslane already. Um, yeah, that, and that's what's that one there. That's about it. Is that one in the middle there? Oh, there's so golden shower tree. <laughs> golden shower tree. Golden yeah, shower right. tree beans as well, which is a great name for an ingredient. We wanted it to have another name. Yeah, <laughs> we really did. <laughs> we and tried to find like another name. <laughs> <laughs> we contemplated making up our own name. Yeah, it is they're what just, it is, people. They just look yeah. like green beans. Yeah, and they t- mm. they taste and smell like green beans. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of, bunch of stuff that we don't have here today that, that we could probably get. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up as well is like foraging isn't necessarily all these, all these interesting, you know, things that, that really chefy things that chefs use. It can be anything like going and, you know, knowing where a, a mulberry tree is that yeah. you can harvest from in season. Yep. Well, That's foraging. Blackberries. Yeah. So I've got a list Make here. Sure so cherry plums and plums, like apples, like little crab apples and stuff. Rosemary. Uh, rose petals, figs, mulberries, locusts, even citrus, mm. blackberry, elderflower, chestnuts, eucalyptus. Um, those are all. Th- those are all other, you know, things that are accessible. People are more familiar with them. They yeah. wouldn't put it in the category we've, necessarily of foraging. We've even found like wild fennel, like proper bulbs and stuff. Yeah, um, wild fennel. I mean, they're quite around quite a lot. Passion fruit, bay leaves. You can forage. There's bay trees oh, yeah, that grow in yeah. public as well. Yeah. Figs. Um, yeah, figs, honeysuckle you can use for tea and things like that. Uh, nettle, there's a, a, a huge array of different things that yeah. people can And sometimes this stuff might be, pick. might be in your garden you haven't even realised. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, almost like every rental house I've had has had some sort of citrus tree in the back. Or like, yeah. Or some, something yeah, we had a lime tree in our old Yeah, place. i got a pomegranate tree in the back of my garden at the moment. The birds eat. Yeah. And, um, pomegranates all that sort of stuff so you know foraging doesn't necessarily have to be finding tasting and identifying this 
this less familiar these less familiar ingredients it can be just a matter of going to a blackberry tree and getting a bucket full and putting them in the freezer and putting them in your smoothies because yeah. you know because they're delicious because they're delicious yeah. and they're a weed mm. and you're doing doing the world a favor but it's about just like you know carving yourself out a little bit of time and just saying yep i'm going to use this morning to go and pick some food mm. it's pretty cool it's a cool experience yeah it's fun cool all right all right so yeah i mean in conclusion uh, forage, foraged food. I mean, we're not doing anything new here. It's been around for a long time. You know, I, I mean, sixty thousand years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of in terms of like Give chefs and restaurants and stuff, though, like people have been using it for a long time. But it is, it's something that um, I feel like there's a big sort of divide between public knowledge and and restaurant industry knowledge. Mm. Like I don't know. Like I'll be walking down the street with whoever, just a friend, and be like, oh, nasturtium. And, and just like eat a flower and they're like did you just eat that and like you kind of realise how a lot of people still don't even know the yeah. simplest of, 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 of yeah. foraging so, and, it, and it's something that's a really I think it's a really healthy thing to you know be a part of and just get into so you know we're trying to educate you guys here a little bit by showing some of the stuff that's available around the Illawarra um, we'll take some photos of it and share it and these guys obviously use it all in their restaurants any concluding thoughts on foraging guys? Wollongong's a pretty cool place to be able to yeah, do it yeah, we're, yeah, we're really so. lucky down here comparatively to people you know that say you own or work in a restaurant in the cbd in sydney like oh, no chance we can like all this stuff here is like fucking five minutes away yeah yeah like, yeah. yeah so yeah. we're, we're and also pretty diverse like, also i guess comparatively if you lived in you know outback new south wales or uh, sorry outback australia really um, yeah, we have the beach stuff. You wouldn't have the beach stuff, or you know, the very kind of one climate. We have so many different, um, you know, ecology of microclimates, yeah, microclimates yeah. in Wollongong mm. that makes such a diversity. And then yeah. the highlands as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think like it's one of those things. It, it, it's just yeah, it's nice to get out. That. It's nice to pick this stuff and, and connect a bit. But make sure you wash it. Um, wash, probably, wash everything. Yeah, yeah, wash yeah. everything. Yeah. Tip removal mist. Yeah, especially if you picked it from Port Kembla. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's nice to get out. Don't take it too seriously or religiously. It's not like other food's bad because it's not wild or anything. I think <laughs> yeah. some, some chefs yeah. seem to think that like... Yeah, I don't eat toast it, anymore. It, yeah, if it wasn't forest, it's shit. Like, but do, do your research as well. Yeah, yeah. do your research. Do? Number one is like if you're a chef, it's nice to get out oh, the kitchen every so often. This is a good segue. If, nice if, if, if you want to find out more about foraging, send us an email. Info at quicksandfood.com is the address where you can yeah. find us for the gong show. We're still yet to receive an We're email. We're looking for our first um, email here, guys. So yeah. if you want to know about foraging, then just send us an email, email and we'll Or if reply. you want to rag on us and tell yeah. us, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is we'll, shit. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can understand if anyone... Yeah, if anyone... Look, <laughs> just Maybe as a part of the gong show, if anyone wants to give us some ideas for topics to talk about, usually we talk about issues like that sort of have a bit of a political slant or a social slant or something like that and today it's just been all about foraging it's not an issue but it's just a thing um but if you want to send us an email if you want to come on the podcast if you know anyone who you think would be a good guest send us an email at info at quicksandfood.com if you want to follow uh what i do with quicksand food on social media it's at quicksand food on instagram and on facebook and the illawarra cookbook still available uh simon and tom your social media stuff and your website uh, Caveau underscore restaurant for the restaurant. Uh, Simon Evans Caveau for myself. On Instagram, yep. And Tom? Thomas at Caveau. Thomas uh, Tom, at Caveau? Was yeah, that your Tom email address? Underscore. Oh, something. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. Thomas uh, Tom, Cimento Tom, Caveau. Tom, I think it's Tom Cimento Caveau. I have no idea. Right. We'll tag him in the uh, Instagram yeah. post on Quicksand Food anyway, and you'll be able to find <laughs> yeah, out yeah. more. Uh, they have a website as well. Uh, Andy? Chef Andy Burns. Babyface Kitchen to underscore smoking barrels. Cool. And one thing we didn't do, which we actually have to do, is events. 
Oh, yeah. Andy, you yes. finally get to tell us about your yeah, events, which are probably sold to, out by now. Trying to fucking tee, the, tee you, these um, up for a while. Can you do me a the <laughs> Anzac Day one is um, Giorgio Di Maria, oh, sick. Um, who is bringing with him Tom Shobrook, who we did one with last year, and also Ashley Huntington from Two Meter Tall Brewing in Tasmania. Yes. So, um, Giorgio is like this charismatic lovely gentleman who imports fucking awesome Italian wines so it's going to be a lineup of his stuff Tom, obviously Tom's stuff Tom is a winemaker from Seppertsfield in the Barossa um, and just an all round lovely fucking guy uh, Ashley who I haven't met is a rather large bloke. man from he's a um, bloke. He's a, from yeah, good guy brewing, yeah from a brewery in Tasmania they're making some really cool like farmhouse style stuff sours as well as like some pretty sort of you also made, uh, you made the Noma their first drink on the beverage thing was a snake bite so yeah right like, like, cider and beer and he made that for them it's <laughs> fucking it's so good yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah but like they're so really nasty. interesting like they, they call it like Giorgio's saying sort of steer away from calling it beer because it's that kind of yeah, unique we, yeah he calls it ale and everything Ales, else yeah. doesn't but um beer. that's on Anzac Day from 6pm uh, we have a few spots left there's there's a few like we've got a fair few bookings for it but there's a few spots that's, but there's also we will leave the bar unbooked just so it's just snacks and small plates it's not like a sort of pairing um, sort of set menu at a set price like we have done before we'll just do small plates and snacks ranging from like 4 bucks to $25 um, glass a bunch of stuff by the glass so you can come and just sit at the bar and have a drink and a snack and then the next one is Joel Amos from drinks.com um, Joel's got a, the website drinks and, and sells a purveyor what does he say purveyor of uh, fine grape juice mm-hmm. um, so he's yeah, very popular website. He's done some really cool things. He's made a lot of the wines and the, and the style of drinks that we use at the restaurant very accessible um, for you know your average sort of guy and really well-priced and cheap, fast shipping. So it's drinks.com. That's where we generally send people for a massive range of... D-R-N-K-S, isn't it? D-R, sorry, yeah, drnks.com. So that's 10th of May. We've got um, Jeb from Music Farmers coming in to play some tunes for the night so we're just th- this next series we just want to keep um, a bit more casual last year they were, they were pretty formal and you know it was all sort of reserve a table sit down and tasting tasting menu with a pairing and so we just want to make these a bit more fun casual accessible for everyone come in have a drink have a chat all the guys that we get to do these things are so fucking passionate and so fucking good at what they do um like Giorgio's list of stuff you know he's the founder of Rootstock mm. um, he was Cormac Traveller Som of the Year a few years ago um, and they're just they're just lovely guys doing what they love and, and it really shines through in the way they represent their products and talk about them and interact with people so if, if it'll be they'll both be really fun nights so Anzac Day for Giorgio and co 10th of May for Joel from Drinks cool you guys events uh, Central Ranges wine dinner, so showing off orange and mudgy for this episode of it. Mudgy represent, um, yeah. Uh, on the twenty seventh this month. Uh, so uh, Will Rickard Belga, she's got in the top fifty young guns of wine, which is really exciting. He's coming down. Hopefully, another couple of guys if they've finished vintage and if the timing's right. Um, so that should be fun. Uh, what night? What night's it on? That's a th- uh, Friday night, Friday twenty seventh. Um, so yeah some really exciting stuff coming up from there from a place that's been known for a bit more traditional wines you've got some really cool uh, sort of mineral intervention and some good practices uh, for their wines coming out 
Uh, then we have a pop-up at Diggy's. Tom's ex. Well, both yours. Yeah, yeah actually, we probably spot. should have mentioned that. Tom and I worked together yeah, like yeah. eight or nine Ten, years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, and we kind of became mates then and used to fish, go fishing together and stuff and fucking knock about Diggies. together. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's yeah. how we know one another. So, here um, we are. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Nothing's let's changed. talk. You, so we're doing a, a, we're doing a <laughs> pop up at Diggy's. Pop up, and it's based all on uh, on cafe food for for dinner, basically. Uh, That'll be heaps of fun. Yeah. yeah. You guys, I reckon yeah. you guys will do that really fucking well. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of like, I don't know. The idea of event dinners is kind of really fun because you, know, you write a menu for for dinner, right? And there's kind of the the premise is basically what's in season and what you can get. Whereas an event dinner, it's kind of like you get a, a brief, or, and it's like kind of like a research project. And you're like, you got to go away, research it, come up with all these ideas about how to execute something in a really unique way. And so, yeah, we kind not, of not in your own kitchen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always gonna be, into it. yeah. So you know, there's, yeah, it's like some, smashed up on toast for dessert, which is something that's been on our menu for a while now. But um, yeah, that was fish, like, fish and chips, but yeah, surf and turf, yeah, bacon and eggs, but yeah. all twisted, yeah, and strange. Yeah, that, that'll be real. That's like, fun. There's so yeah. many oh, things yeah. you could do. Like so I'm many. Once you start going, oh yeah, heaps of. Uh, and when you think of, you could probably do a couple of cool plays on a few of the old like yeah, diggies yeah. dishes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but something wild. Yeah. Uh, dinner, which we're pretty excited about. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, on the eighteenth of May. Well, hopefully someone's coming down yeah yep. we're not really sure yet who Daniel hopefully Daniel will be coming uh, yeah. yeah but that's pretty awesome something wilder Australia's probably biggest native food supplier um, owned by indigenous community um, run by indigenous community they forage a lot of their ingredients they're the only company in Australia to have um, a license to hunt for magpie goose and they're lovely um, blokes as and well. yeah they're yeah. awesome and they, they're kind of I think the most important part with all of this is Try to incorporate community um, with what you're trying to do. In well, they're creating degree. jobs in yeah. the indigenous communities, yeah, remote really indigenous important. communities, and yeah. and that's you know where these ingredients come from. That's where the knowledge comes from. Like so, that that's it's a really yeah. important part of what they do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we work with them to see what products we can do get that on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, nice I'd love to come. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's another Friday, unfortunately. Yeah. Like our Friday events. Um, but yeah, lots going on on our be on our website. He doesn't either. Else follow us all on social media yeah you'll find out about it cool uh yeah let's uh actually a couple of last things um cavo quicksand food competition where you guys gave away a gift voucher and we gave away a few books it was like a little instagram competition just mm. shout out to margot bakery yeah. who in is london. the winner yeah, yeah. London. <laughs> Sorry, i saw this yesterday is she is she does she live in london yeah yeah how's she gonna use the voucher the then friend uh she's come, she's gonna come she's gonna come back she's gonna fly back well anyway shout out to margot bakery so <laughs> michelle is her name and she um she has a she listens to the podcast and has a bakery in uh, in London, making sourdough out of there. One of her friends is going to be visiting her soon, so she'll take her her prizes. And then I think um, Michelle plans to come to Australia next year or something like that and take her mate out for dinner at Cavo. Yeah. So congratulations awesome. on winning that little comp. Thank that was that. fun. Sick. Thanks to everyone who entered that one as well. Uh, also, um, you know, if you like, if you have a business or anything out there and you want to support this show, you can just send us an email and ask us how you can support it. We can plug your business if you want. Um, and yeah just try to keep this thing going uh, that should be about it for the Gong Show episode number 5 thank you so much to Tom for joining us on this one you're welcome no worries I'll, thanks I'll, Tom I'll be back Cheers, soon Tom. great episode <laughs> and 
thank you as always to Andy Burns. Thanks, Again, guys. Hi. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Simon Evans. Cheers. Me, Steph. All right, cool. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Later. So, as a part of these foraged ingredients, Simon, you're making us a dish out of everything that we foraged yesterday and some of the stuff that you got previously. What have we got in the pot here? So, because we had, because the mushroom season had finished quite uh, well, pause whilst uh, this crazy hot weather we've got has come. Um, we any excess mushrooms we dehydrate them or pickle them so then we can use them if the season stops or use them any other time so when you've got dried mushrooms they make an amazing broth um, so basically I've got uh, topped them up with water boil them up to the boil um, we had some partially dehydrated ones I just sautéed um, a little bit of oil a bit of salt to get some caramelisation and that gives you kind of two levels of the mushroom I'm just going to cook that down I just chucked in the, the salt bush the sea blight and um, what's the chicken there? Oh, I'm just a, a single lemon myrtle leaf, just give mm-hmm. it a little bit of balance. Um, so just salty, earthy flavours. Um, make a little broth out of that. Um, I'm gonna do a little. We've got some barramundi in the kitchen, so I'm do a little bit of um, pan fried barramundi, um, and then just sort of garnish it with the, the salty leaves, some of the flowers, nasturtiums, the oxalis, um, and that will just give it the uh, that kind of herbal. Um, Kind of salad vibe yeah, to, the, to the broth. The veggies. Yeah, mm-hmm. it should look, make it look pretty. Cool. Kind of All right. Well, um, we'll come back to it in a sec as the dish develops. Yeah. So, tell me about tell me about how you're cooking this little piece of barramundi here. Oh, it's trying to skin down coldish pan. Yeah. So um, why do you start in a cold pan? If you go hot pan, the uh, the skin will just go yeah. um, like bend. Yeah. So um, then you can't get contact. Like to get crispy skin, you need contact with yeah. the pan. So if you go super hot pan, um, they call it uh, like tendon, tendon tension or tendon bend or something. So all the little fibers in it just contract super quick and it bends it. So if you go like warm cold pan, then bring it up. Yep. Because uh, you feel that like the skin's nice, like and that has been that's been dried for a couple. Of yeah, days. and then you and then when you flip it though, you put it on lemon myrtle leaf. Yeah. So then like because otherwise it will scorch like that heat will scorch like it's, now it's scorching. The leaf, yep. not the bottom of it. So it'll still cook. You'll still get the heat transfer. It's just like using baking paper. Yeah, but, but we're also incorporating that lemon myrtle. But yeah, tasty baking paper. Yeah. So we do it on when we cook uh, our barramundi dish. And I've cooked on over coals on the barbecue. It's the same thing. It's quite searing heat. Yeah. You get. Um, you'll end up like caramelizing the flesh, and we don't want that. We want to keep like a really nice pure flavor. Mm-hmm. So put a little leaf down or a bit of baking paper, and you don't get that contact. You don't get that caramelization. And also like the, the sort of juice of the fish will start to come out a little bit and it will kind of like the bottom of that fish will poach yep. to its own, its own sort of juices. Okay, so those things are just like taking, working out working out what you want to do with the ingredient you're cooking with. Like how do you want it to, how do you want the end texture, how do you want it to taste at the end and then working out steps to, to achieve that. So now you're, you're poaching the warrigal greens in a little bit of that mushroom broth that you made? Yeah, so just, just quickly. In, in the same pan. Say you use another pan or, or cooking something in water which has no taste. Just hit that with a little bit of the broth and um, cook it in that. And we'll just, that. That might taste nice and that might go in the final thing. Or... All right, cool. So the dish is done. Yeah. What are you going to call it, Simon? Are you going to call it something? Oh, it's a, it's a <laughs> Asian-inspired broth yeah. with barramundi and wild ingredients. And wild ingredients. So yeah. 
going through from the start, you made the broth out of the pine mushrooms yeah, and some so, salt bush. So yeah, so we had the, the pine mushrooms have been dried a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it takes all the moisture out, really increases, intensifies their flavour. So you get super umami, yeah. uh, savoury broth. So um, soaked them, covered in water, brought that to the boil, added the salt bush, uh, sea blight, um, all those kind of salty, earthy uh, sea greens. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some like partially dried um, mushrooms as well, so I just sauteed them off, put them in the broth as well, just had like two levels of it. Mm-hmm. Get some caramelization, just brought that to a simmer, probably cooked it for like t- uh, 15 minutes, um, seasoned it up, uh, a little bit of lemon myrtle leaf in there as well to give it a little bit of balance. Um, and that that's the main part of the dish, really. The main it was, part it was like, of the yeah, broth. Yeah, it was making and then, it. And then, you, and then you sort of sort of sauteed and poached at the same time a little bit of those warrigal greens yeah, as so a veggie component yeah so it's probably the only the little little chefy trick was the same pan that I'd, so I cooked a bit of some barramundi in the kitchen yeah. I thought it would be nice nice with a bit of fish like that quite meaty fish um, a bit of stand up to all those flavours um, so we just uh, cooked pan roasted that cooked it skin side down uh, flipped the fish put a little lemon myrtle leaf under it to, uh, so there's no contact between the pan and the fish yeah. and that just helps it uh, not scorch the fish uh, once we finished cooking that we had a little bit of the broth to the pan that was already hot, had all the sort of fish juice in, and just used that to cook the warrigal greens yeah. and the uh, and the turkey rhubarb. So it just saves using another pan. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got flavours in there. Flavour in there. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of your, your little spinach, your your kind of bok choy kind of element yeah. to it. Um, and like in a broth, then you've got that warmth and that kind of heat coming through, and that just helps kind of further cook the ingredients as they go in as well. And then basically with the the nasturtium, some of the uh, beech mustard, the uh, pig face flowers, um, and all the other little green things. We're just going to float them in the broth and then let the heat of the broth cook that through. Um, yeah, so we should be a nice balance of kind of some fresh, fresh greens, some some earthy things, some uh, salty veg, and and, and the barramundi as yeah. well. So, That's yeah. awesome! Really cool, really cool dish because you know, like apart from the barramundi, it's literally literally everything was made mm. from what we found yesterday yeah. and that's it yeah and I think that's the, with, with foraging you're never going to find like when pine mushrooms you can make the sour of your dish but they're always going to be used for something else so if you have a you know, piece of meat or a piece of fish you can uh, you can add everything to it and make it tasty cool sweet uh, we'll put the recipe up on quicksandfood.com mm. and we'll put a photo up there as well so you can check it out and you can try it yourself if you go out foraging mm. yeah cool thanks Simon that was no cool cheers Thank you, Smash It, Love, Love, Love,